Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Selah Fellowship podcast for our Sunday services. Please open your Bibles as we dive into our study this morning. Today, we're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 14. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. Uh, So, Matthew 14. And we're actually going to be in the second part where Jesus walks on the water. Um, I had actually... So I came across this in my devotions recently, and I had actually taught on this maybe four or five years ago in Kenya. Um, And I was a pretty, you know, fresh believer out there when I went through the Ignite program, and uh, they had me teach this to the teens out there. You know, and it, and it spoke to me a lot then. And but coming across it even today, it just spoke so much more. And it just is a testament to how God's word is just living and active, and how He uses the word. You know, the same section that I might have read since then to now, I don't know, a dozen times or more. Um, but He uses it. You know, in the seasons that we're in. So uh, it'll be Matthew fourteen, uh, verse twenty-two. <laughs> So to kind of catch us up, getting to the to, to this point, we're just gonna I'll just recap a little bit of what happened in the beginning of fourteen and kind of where we find ourselves now. So in the beginning of fourteen, we learn of uh, John the Baptist, his beheading. Um, Herod, the Tetrarch, uh, beheads him at the request of his uh, wife because of some things that John had said, and she didn't like that. So he gets beheaded, and John is actually Jesus's cousin. Um, so he hears about this and. He wants to go to this desolate place to kind of mourn this and to kind of, you know, mull this over in his mind that his cousin just got beheaded, you know, and to pray. And so he's on his way to this deserted place, and, and yet the multitude finds him because they can see him. They see him going towards this place, and the multitude finds him. And when he sees the multitude come to him, he actually has compassion on them. And he goes and shares the word with them, and, and he also feeds them. And he ends up feeding. It's the feeding of the 5,000 is what happens. Um, so now... The feeding of the 5,000 is over and is where we now where we're going to find ourselves in verse uh, 22 here. So I'm going to read the first few verses uh, and then we'll hop into it. It says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came... He was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And, and they cried out for fear. So, Father, I just give this time into your hands, Lord, and I just pray that you would... Um, just open up our ears, Lord, and our heart to receive what it is you have for us, Lord. May you... Uh, just speak through me, and uh, may we all just glean from your word today, Lord, and may it change us as we, as we take it in and, and as we receive it into our heart, Lord. May it change us as we walk out of this place, Lord. So we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so I'm also just going to briefly read Mark, because Mark has the same account in there, but there's a couple of words a little differently how he shares that I want to kind of... Uh, bring out. So I'm just going to read Mark 6, 45 to 50 to kind of get just a little bit more of a picture. 
It says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, uh, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the mountain. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. So both accounts say that he's up on the mountain praying, but Mark also adds that while he's up on the mountain praying, he sees the disciples straining um, at the oars in the boat. So, And those two are going to be important as we, as we continue on here. But before we continue on there, there's, there's a word that both accounts use, and it's repeated three times, and the word is immediately. And when I saw that word repeated three times, he says, immediately he sent them into the boat to the other side. He says, immediately he, he said to them, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And then he also immediately stretches out his hand and catches Peter as he starts to sink. Um, so those three times he uses that word, and that word to me, when I see it used here, I see intentionality. He's very intentional with, with, with what he's doing in this in this. Uh, in this account here and in this uh, story here. He's intentional in sending them out to cross uh, the lake, and he's intentional to send them into the storm. He's intentional to uh, quell their fear and to have them see that it's him and that they don't need to be afraid. And he's also intentional to, as Peter is uh, sinking, to get him up out of the water. So this is all for a purpose, and we'll see as we get to the end here what that purpose is for them, for him sending them into this storm. Uh, but two things, uh, he sees them and he prays. Now, Psalm 33, 18 to 19 says, Behold, the eyes of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy, to deliver their souls from death and to keep them alive in famine. So the eyes of the Lord is on those who fear him and who have hope in his mercy. Now, that fear there is, is to have an understanding of the power that God has in our lives. Uh, is that fear. So his eyes are on those that fear him, that those that understand that God is who he says he is and that he has the power to save us uh, in this life. And then also uh, the hope in his mercy, and that hope is in that saving power, in that uh, the work of the cross of Jesus on the cross and the shedding of the blood and the, and the remission of sin. So the hope in that. So his eyes are on those that believe in that uh, and it's to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. So it's not, his eyes are on us uh, for eternity and for the here and now, for, to save us from death and to keep us alive in famine. There isn't going to be famine in heaven, but there's famine here and now. So what he's saying is for eternity, you know, his eyes are on us and his eyes are on us here and now to help save us here and now. So it's very important that I see that God is on that mountain and, and he sees them straining in this storm because he sent them out there. And if we could just think about that for a second, that God, God's eyes are on us. Um, his eyes are on us. Now, you know, we could briefly just kind of mull over that and just say, yeah, his eyes are on us. Like, of course. But if we really think about it, you know, when we pray and, and when we talk about God, we say, my God. We say, his eyes are on me. And to know that his eyes are completely and utterly on me 
and yet holds this universe together um, and has his eyes on every other believer that's out there. Like, you got to think that this is an immense God and a powerful God and a God that is able, you know, because his eyes are his eyes are on me. And and just kind of how I can relate to that a little bit is I have a son. His name's Judah. And he's uh, 18 months, you know, he's getting older, but he's getting into things now. You know, he's running around and, uh, you know, we actually kind of call him the destroyer because, you know, he'll just, whatever's out there and he can grab, he'll grab it and throw it. Uh, Doesn't care what it is. Uh, But my eyes, you know, when I'm there, when I'm at home with him, or especially when we're at someone else's house, my eyes are on him. Like, I'm watching him because I know what he's capable of doing. So I'm always watching him, you know, making sure he's not getting into, you know, anything bad or anything like that. And even more so his mom. I mean, she's with him way more than I am. And I just know that her eyes are always on him, you know. And and it's not necessarily that we're always watching him, but we're always mindful of where he's at. Especially when it starts to get quiet. And you're in the one room and it's really quiet. You don't hear him crying or yelling or anything anymore or screaming. And it's just like, okay, now we've got a problem because he's really quiet. He's gotten into something. Then you go in the other room and mom's makeup bag's all over the place and he's throwing it all in there and throwing stuff in the toilet. And it's like, yeah, don't do that, buddy. Uh, but my eyes are on him. You know, I'm always aware of what my son is doing. You know, I, I want to keep him safe. He's at that age where he can get in trouble. You know, he's bonked his head hundreds of times by now. You know, he still has brain cells, though, you know, so it's all good. <laughs> um, but my eyes are on him. But how even more so our God in heaven, like his eyes are on us. And, and to a greater ability that I can even have my eyes on my son, his eyes are on me. His eyes are on us. So he sees them. He sees them straining uh, out in this storm that he had sent them into. Let's remember that. He had sent them into this storm. Um, so he not only sees them, though, but he's also praying up there. And now Jesus is, is coming off of uh, hearing about John the Baptist, feeding the 5,000. Um, so he finally has this time to go up to the mountain and pray with his father. You know, and he could be praying about a lot of things. He could be praying about John and, 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 and mourning that fact. He could be praying about the 5,000 that he just taught. Um, and, and not only that, but the miracle that the disciples saw of the feeding of the 5,000. He would be praying about that. But he's also up there and he's watching them. And i got to know that he's praying for them as they're out in that storm. Uh, he's praying for them as they're struggling out there. And it's not necessarily that he's praying for the storm to stop. Because we've seen him do that. He can stop a storm. Um, but he doesn't stop this storm. I, I got to believe that he's praying for them that they would make it through the storm. And not just make it through the storm, but make it through the storm changed. And we're going to see as we get to the end of this uh, little section here that they, that they do become changed, in fact. Um, and we'll get to that when we get there. But if we want to think of how, how Jesus prays for us, there's, there's an incredible chapter in the Bible. It's John 17. And it's by far my favorite chapter in the Bible because you, we really see Jesus' heart poured out to the Father in prayer for us, for his disciples, and, and, and his desire um, for us. And, and what the, I'm not going to read it all, but um, what that, and you should go and read it yourselves if you haven't, but what it basically lays out there is, is it's called, you know, it's, it's Jesus' high priestly prayer, and he's, and he's, he's crying out to the Father for unity, for that we would be one with him and the Father. And that we would be where he is. So it's really a, a cry and a desire for us. Um, but specifically for this purpose, uh, 
In that prayer, John 17, verse 15, he says this, I do not pray that you would take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. So I see these storms um, that we may find ourselves into in, in, and I see this storm that these disciples find themselves in. And it's not necessary that he would pray that we would be taken out of these storms, but that we would see it through, and that we would see it through changed, and we would see it through with him. Uh, so he's not going to try and pull us out of these storms, but he's going to get us through them. And he's going to get us through them, and then as we get to the other side, we're going to be able to look and see that God is, in fact, who he says he is, and he does have the ability to do in my life the things that need to be done to change me and to make me more like him. <clears throat> so the storms in our lives, they're meant to change us. Um, they're meant to make us more like Christ, and they're meant to build a character within us. And we can see... Uh, just how it's going to change these disciples uh, as we get to it. But in verse 27, it says, But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And when I read that, you know, he was on the mountain, he saw them, he was praying, but now he comes to them as they're, as they're struggling. He comes to them out there and... <laughs> I can only imagine the disciples out there, like they're in the middle of this storm and they're rowing and it, the wind's coming, the waves are crashing, they're soaking wet, they're trying to get through this, through this storm and they're like, you know, he sent us out here, he's not even here and now we're, you know, I don't even, we're not going to make it, the storm's just too big and then all of a sudden they see this guy walking on the wall and they're like, oh, now there's a ghost here and now we're really not going to make it, something's coming after us and I could just imagine like the, the turmoil they're in, you know, and so they're fearful, they're fearful of this storm, and they're fearful at the situation they find themselves in. And yet Jesus comes to them, and he says, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. So he doesn't desire for us to be fearful in the storm, of the storm, of the situation, but he desires for our fear to be rightly placed in him, in it. Um, so we need to rightly focus our fear on him, because he does actually desire us to be fearful, but it says fear God. And that fear of God, though, it's, it's a freeing aspect. Uh, that fear is freeing. Any other fear that isn't in God, that's in the world, that's in situation, that's in man, it brings bondage. But the fear of God brings freedom. <clears throat> and, and that fear of God, it's, uh, if I could define it in a way or explain it, um, it's really a sober understanding of the power that he has in our lives to direct our lives, to change our lives, and inevitably um, is in control of our lives. It's that sobering fear of the power that he has. Um, but it's also a, reverend, a reverence and a respect for him that he, is, that he does actually hold that role in our lives. And Matthew 10, 28 says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So that's that fear of God, knowing that he is, in fact, God, and that I do, in fact, need to fear him for the power that he has. But that fear then brings about a freedom because as I fear this God who has the ultimate power, it's that same God that has that power to cast our souls into hell that actually came down, walked this earth, and died for us and rose again. He has that same power to then free us from that chain, those chains of death. Um, so it's, it's that fear, it's that understanding of who God is and the power that he has in our lives. 
And Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So with that fear of God, we can now begin to understand His role in my life and the power that He has to see me through the storms. Uh, I can then lean on Him for the wisdom in the situations. um, And as I gain more knowledge of who he is, of the Holy One, of, of, of his word and who he says he is in this word, I will then gain understanding of why I'm here, uh, why the Lord's called me to this situation, why the Lord has put me through this storm. Um, all those things, the questions that we have in life, you know, we start to gain understanding of them as we see it through the perception of Jesus Christ and not our own perception. So that's the fear that he desires for his disciples in this time. He wants them to get their eyes off the storm and get them on him. That's why he came to them out on the water. That's why he is walking out there. He's come to them and now he sees them and he says, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. He doesn't desire for us to be afraid of the storms. He desires for us to get our eyes on him in the storms. So we see that he encourages them here. You know, don't be afraid. You know, it's not a ghost. It's not something that's going to destroy you. It's me. It's Jesus. I'm here with you in the storm. Um, and for me, at least, uh, I'm, I'm in a season in my life up here where just, you know, it's probably the most amount of responsibility that I've felt since being alive. I guess. <laughs> Honestly, you know, <laughs> I got, you know, I have a wife, I have a child, and I have a mortgage, I'm overseeing, you know, a ranch, I'm overseeing Mudman, uh, you know, it's just, it's kind of, it's there, you know, and, and all that weight is there, and it has the ability to either crush me, or in that time, instead of looking at the weights, I can look at him and it, and it can have the power to change me. Um, where are my eyes? Is it, on, is it on the fear of the circumstance, the situation that I find myself in? Or is it on Jesus, the one who has the ability to see me through the circumstance, to get me through and to change me through it? And it's for all of us. What circumstance do you find yourselves in? Where is, the God, where is God calling you in your life today? What's he calling you to? What's the responsibilities you have? What, um, what is he desiring to do within you? Um, and, and know that the storms are going to come. Uh, the challenges are going to come. I mean, just this last week, you know, water troughs are freezing out at the ranch. A heater's going down at Mudman, you know. Uh, <laughs> I got my wife chasing around an 18-month-old at home, and, you know, he's destroying everything. And, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, got a, I got a mortgage on a house that's due, and, you know, I got to pay that. You know, it's like all these things are heaping up, you know. And am I going to kind of sit in the fetal position and be like, oh, I can't handle this? Or am I going to get up, go walk in, and do what he's called me to do in that day? I'm going to go over to the ranch. I'm going to see these water troughs. Yeah, they're frozen. What can we do right now to unfreeze them? Okay, let's go get a generator. We'll unfreeze them. And then, you know, at 6 o'clock, it's dark. I can't really work on it now, so I'll figure it out tomorrow. You know, so we get them unfrozen, and there we go. And then, I, you know, got to go look at the heater. So I'll go to, into Mudman, you know, early that next morning, and we'll look at the heater. The water troughs are fine. They're, the horses have water, so we're good. I, I don't need to go and do that right now. Let me go check the fact that it's 55 degrees at, in Sea Falls, you know, in the store. So I went and checked that out. And I love maintenance. Like, I love being a part of, like, doing maintenance because, it really challenges me to put my eyes on him in the, in the storms because 
you know, I have an understanding of electrical things. I have an understanding of HVAC, you know, heating and, and, and air conditioning. I have an understanding of plumbing, you know, but by no means am I a master in any of it. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll get to a situation, you know, okay, the water trials are frozen. Like, okay, well, I have an idea, you know, electric comes from somewhere, it goes somewhere and it powers it. Let me open it up and see if there's anything disconnected and maybe, it, maybe that's the fix, you know. But the whole time, like, as I get this phone call and I'm driving over there or I'm driving to the heating unit over at Sea Falls, I'm praying to the Lord, Lord, I have no idea. Lord, I really need you to give me your eyes to see what's going on here. And I really need you to reveal it to me. And then after you reveal it to me, now that I see it, I need the ability to be able to fix it. Like, so I find myself, you know, before him all day long, just asking for his ability um, that he would give me the ability to do what he's called me to do, to oversee these things, you know. So it, it should drive us to put our eyes on him. The circumstances, the situation should drive us to put our eyes <clears throat> on him. Uh, so as we continue on here. Verse 28 to 33 says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me uh, to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water uh, to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And, he, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, uh, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, as you see there, that very last verse is, is, what, is what we're coming to. Um, is really what uh, I see the Lord had for the disciples in this time. They say, truly, you know, they get back in the boat and he begins to worship. He says, truly, you are the Son of God. They come to an understanding of who Jesus is. You know, he, you are the Son of God. And, and, and it brings him glory. It brings, and, and inevitably, that's what I believe the storms are in our lives. They are to bring him glory. They're to, as, as we find ourselves battling through them with Jesus... Um, and then we find ourselves through them and on the other side, we can then see and come alongside others who are in storms and say, no, Jesus is going to be with you and you don't need to fear. You don't need to have your eyes on the winds or the waves. You can have them on Jesus and he's going to see you through. Look, he's seen me through this. He's seen me through that, you know, and, and, and know that, you know, Jesus is there to be with you in the storm. So it's to bring him glory. But as we, as we get down, as we get down to there, there's something that happens with Peter up here and it's, and it's. <laughs> You know, and I, I feel bad for Peter at times because he gets a, he gets a pretty bad rap. Like when we look at him through Scripture, like he's always got his foot in his mouth, you know, or this or that. You know, he, he's a really zealous guy. Um, but I got to know also in this time that God knows who He put in this boat. He knows the disciples he called. Um, he knows who he put in that boat, and he knows he put Peter in that boat. He knows he called Peter. <coughs> So there's one thing that I can at least be said about Peter here and in this situation, that he's the only other one besides Jesus that has walked on water. You know, as, as he puts his foot in his mouth a lot, as he's the first one to speak up or to say this or whatever, 
that same characteristic that God created him with got him to step out of the boat and to walk on water as Jesus walked on water. You know, so let's not despise, you know, how we're created and, and, and our personalities and how God has made us, you know, because they're unique and they're for a purpose and they're for a reason. And, and the way he created you as an individual, the way he created me as an individual, he wants to use that in the storm that you're in to, to show those around you that he is God. Uh, he really put Peter in that boat in order that Peter would get out of that boat to then show the disciples that were in the boat that Jesus is, in fact, God. Uh, Psalm 39, 1 through 18 says this. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning of the morning, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and, they are my, and that my soul I know, and that my soul knows very well. My frame has not was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. And skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance before yet unformed. And in your book they are all written. The day fashioned for me. When as yet there was none of them. <clears throat> now that, that scripture spoke. You know this psalm spoke. Quite a bit to me. You know in the beginning when I, when I first got saved. Because you know. Uh, uh, how I saw myself was a failure. How I saw myself was my insecurities, was, was um, you know, the, the circumstances that I found myself in life. And, and that's how I identified myself, you know. And, 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 you know, there's always those that would, and I was one of them, that would go around and just say, you know, just kind of beat myself up of, of oh, I'm not this or I'm that. And, you know, kind of just destroying myself, you know, kind of picking on myself. Um, for some sick, twisted way of feeling better. I don't know. It, but, uh, you know, we all do it at times, you know, kind of beat ourselves up. But as I read this, this psalm, you know, and I think of, of myself and I think of Peter and how, you know, we sometimes just give him a bad rap. Like, he was fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Like, God doesn't make mistakes when he makes us you know when when he forms us in, in uh you know for you were formed in the inner parts you covered me in my mother's womb you knew me before i was even of form uh you know he he has a plan and, and a purpose for our lives and he creates us in a specific way to fulfill that plan that he has for us uh in this life 
So, you know, I look at Peter and I know that he's the man for the job. You know, he was the man for the job to get out of that boat and to be, uh, to walk on that water to show the disciples in the boat, in fact, this miracle of God, that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God. So what's he trying to do in your life? You know, how's he trying to use you around the people that you're around to be the person that he's created you to be, to then walk in, not in fear of the situation, but in fear of him to show the people that you're around that he is, in fact, God, that he is, in fact, Jesus, that he is, in fact, uh, our Savior, you know, that he, in fact, loves us and that he desires good for us, you know, and he desires to get us through the storms. What's he trying to do in your life? I can see it in mine, uh, you know, every day. And and yet, like, he makes us in a way, but he also desires us to be changed. So, uh, you know, if I could describe myself, you know, it's uh, one with lack of emotion, lack of ability to um, have compassion for. Like, I'm not the one to sit alongside necessarily, Yet, I'm the one that kind of sees the problem and wants to fix it, you know. And uh, it was actually quite a struggle early on in my, uh, in my marriage because she would have, you know, she would come to me and just want me to listen and just want me to sit there and listen to her. And so she would say these things and I'd be like, oh, well, here's the solution. Like, here's how we fix it. And, and she's like, and then we'd go and talk another three, four hours, you know, late into the night because that's not what she wanted to hear, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I'm, and I'm sitting there confused because I'm like, but the answer's right here. We don't need to be, you know, sitting here like this, <laughs> you know. And it's not bad to have that boldness and, like, and to have that understanding of a situation and to know the solution to it. But where it, what it needs to be coupled with, for at least me, is the compassion to come alongside and sit alongside in the situation. That I might have the solution to it, but I can also... Walk with her through it. I can sit and listen and and have the compassion, you know. And I and honestly, you know, beg the Lord every day that He would give me this understanding of compassion because I truly lack it. I don't know. It's it's a challenge for me, you know. I I don't know. I think it's you know it might come from you know a lack of uh, kind of compassion for myself in a sense. It's just like I should know better, you know. Here's the answer. Here's the solution. Go and do it, Derek. Stop sitting here and, and crying about it, you know. Um, but Jesus doesn't do that. He has the solutions, but he comes alongside and sits with and, 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 and walks through and walks with. And that's, you know, just an example of how I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He made me in this way, but he also desires to change me and to make me more like him. To be more of who Jesus is completely, not just who Derek is, you know. And, and for yourselves... Um, for all of us here, you know, we identify our strengths and we see our weaknesses. Let's lean on him in both, in our strengths and in our weaknesses, and especially in the weaknesses to where, you know, we can be, for me, more compassionate, you know. For those that want to just sit aside and not get to the solution, let's get to the solution. You know, let's, let's change as, as God desires us to. And, and, and really, that's what he has um, for the disciples here, like this storm is not for, the storm is for no, how do I say that? Not for no reason. The storm is, is there for a purpose. There you go. The storm is there for a purpose. That makes more sense. Uh, it's there to change them. It was there to have Peter step out of that, of that boat. It was there so that those disciples could see that, that this is in fact 
Jesus is in fact the Son of God, and he desires to see you through the storm. So, let's not despise who, he, who he's created us to be, but instead let's lean on him uh, to be more like him. You know, The better versions of ourselves are those that are rightly connected to Jesus and who he's called us to be, which is more like him. Um, but also what I see here for Peter is um, there's two faiths that I see at work here in Peter. Um, there's that initial stepping out faith, and then there's also that staying out faith. You know, um, when God calls Peter out of this boat, um, you know, Peter opens his mouth and says, Lord, if it's you, call me, you know, call me out there and I'm going to step out there and I'll come to you. And, and, it's, and it's really cool because uh, what he says is simply come. He doesn't say, are you sure about this, Peter? I mean, you want to rethink this? You're all going to be walking on water, you know. Do you know how to swim? I know you're a fisherman, but can you swim well, you know. It was none of that. It was, it was one word. It was come. And, and, and as I look at that, you know, God loves to prove who he is in our lives. And he desires to use us. And he's not going to stop us um, from stepping out in faith in him, you know. And, and especially to, when we step out in the faith that it would bring him glory, you know, as it brings him glory later on as we see. Um, so he says simply, you know, come. So there's that initial stepping out faith. There's that understanding um, and trusting in God that if I step out in this direction, he's going to be there. You know, he's called me to this direction and he's going to see me. Um, you know, there's that, that trust. It's just like, okay, Lord, I'm going to go for it. You know, should we buy a house? You know, yeah, we should. Okay, Lord, you know, I haven't wrapped my, you know, I wrap my mind around it as much as I can, but I'm going to step out in faith and do this and know that you're going to see me through it. You know, that you're going to have this work that it's not going to, you know, fall apart when we get the keys handed over, you know. I did the walkthrough. It looked good, you know. I went down there in the basement. It looked good. Just let there not be any little secrets, you know. <laughs> um, so that's stepping out faith, you know. But then also for Peter and for us, there's that staying faith. There's, there's that as he started to walk on the water towards Jesus, the storm started to, to um, get stronger. The wind came. He saw the waves. And we see that as he's walking on water, as he steps out and he's walking towards Jesus, it says, uh, I think it's in Mark. I want to read it. Maybe it was in the other one. But anyways, oh, there, there it is. He said, it was actually in Matthew. It says, So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So as he's walking in the direction of Jesus, he's looking at him. He has his eyes on the Lord. And, you know, the storm's going on around him, but he's looking at Jesus and he's walking on water. Now the wind, you know, picks up and this wave comes and he takes his eyes off the Lord and he looks at the wave. And it's, that, it's at that point where he starts to sink. But where that staying faith comes in is when we're in the midst of that storm, when, when we're walking on the water, when we, when we step out and he's called us in, whatever he's called us into, and we see as though we're walking on water and then the storm comes and the wind comes up 
The staying faith keeps our eyes on Jesus, doesn't put them on the situation or the circumstance or the wind or the waves or the things that come to try to derail us. You know, they, they will come. And, you know, I stand up here today saying that, you know, they will come. And I believe all of you have been in a storm and, and understand what I'm saying when, you know, the challenges come in life. You know, but it's what do we do when they come? As we're walking on the water, as we stepped out in faith with Jesus, you know, wherever he's called us in the direction we're going, um, when they come, where are my eyes going to go? Are they going to come off of him and on the situation where I then I find myself sinking? Or are they going to stay on him where I can then continue to walk on water in it, continue to, to trust him in it, uh, and to make him known through it, you know, to really bring him glory through it? Now, with that being said, we all do sink at times. You know, we're not going to be perfect in it. Um, We sink. It happens. And we shouldn't condemn ourselves for it. But why do we sink? You know, we take our eyes off off Jesus and, and put it on the circumstances. So we, put our, so we keep our eyes on, on him. And as, as we see here, what happens when we do sink, when we find ourselves sinking, um, it's really beautiful as we see what Jesus does when Peter starts to sink. He says, first off it says, in 30 it says, But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately... Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So to begin with, Jesus kind of tells us here what Peter's problem was and why he started to sink in the first place. Doubt came in. And, and as we're walking on water, as we're walking out in what God's called us to do and what he's called us to be, you know, there's the opportunity for doubt to, to slip in. You know, Lord, did you really call me? To, to do this? Did you really call me to, um, you know, be in full-time ministry? Did you really call me to oversee this ranch and mud man? And, and are you sure that I'm the guy? Like, let's think about this, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you thought it all the way through, but, you know, <laughs> you know, are you sure? You know, doubts start to come in. And, and, and it's when those doubts come in that they can then derail us, and then we can start to sink. You know, but... So the doubts in the midst of a calling or a storm, they will cause us to think. So, so, so what's the answer to doubt then? What, what do we, how do we combat that? You know, and it's, it's, it's kind of comical, you know. And I, I love the simplicity of the, of, of the gospel. I love the simplicity of the Bible because John twenty twenty seven says this. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. <clears throat> it's as simple as that. We try to overcomplicate things. I try to overcomplicate, you know, the Bible and, and what Jesus says in it, but it's as simple as stop doubting and believe. Now, yes, it's simple, but where it comes in, it's not easy to walk in every day, you know. So his answer for doubt is belief. Jesus's answer for doubt is belief, and that belief is a faith in him. It's a faith in Jesus and who he says he is and the ability that he has in any situation in our lives to see us through it. Um, 
but also that faith that we have is only as firm as the one we have it in. You know, if our faith is in Jesus, it is firm. It is on a rock. It cannot be moved. So as we find ourselves sinking and we cry out and we say, Lord, save me, he will immediately be there to reach down, pick us up and get us back on the water, get our eyes back on him to then walk on water back to the boat, to then walk on water back in whatever he's calling us into, whatever situation, circumstance he finds us in, turmoil in our life. If we cry out to him, say, Lord, save me, Lord, help me in this time, in this situation, he will immediately stretch out his hand. I mean, that's why I love this part of Scripture, is because I can just see Jesus' faithfulness to watch us, to pray for us, to be there with us in the storm, and as we sink in the storm, to be there to reach and to get us back on the water. And we can see that faith really worked out in uh, Matthew chapter 8, 8 through 10. So I just want to read that. And it is the centurion and his uh, servant that is sick. He's, uh, the centurion answered, well, we'll start in 7, it says, And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. So he's come, you know, the centurion's come to him and said, I have this servant that's, that's sick and uh, he's lying at home paralyzed and I need you to come, you know, I need you to heal him. And Jesus said, yeah, I will come and I will heal him. And then this is what the centurion says. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. uh, When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. So the centurion's faith was simply in who Jesus says he is. And all the stories he heard of the healings and, and understanding of, of he healed this guy, he healed this woman, he did this, he did that. All the stories that are going around in Israel at this time, this centurion had the faith of who Jesus is. And for us, how do we combat doubt? We combat it by our faith in Jesus Christ, by understanding, by His Word, by, by taking in this Word daily and, and taking it in and reading the stories of who Je- Jesus says He is, the things that He's done, the power He has in, in, in an individual's life to change it. It's as we have faith in that, that's how we combat doubt. We put our eyes on Jesus. We take in this Word. We eat it up. And, and, and we be encouraged by it, by, by the things that Jesus says um, about who He is, and not only that, but his desire for us, his love for us, his, his grace towards us, his mercy towards us. It's just as we read those words and we take them in every day, we are then encouraged to, to rest in them when the storm comes. So the doubt comes and, you know, Lord, I'm not going to make it through this. I, I don't understand this or that. And yet I go you know, to his word, and he says, you know, fear not, I will, I'm with you. You know, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, when you sink, I will reach out and I will pick you up. Um, this is the God that I serve. This is my God. This is Jesus. Um, so when doubt comes, run to him. You know, that fear of the Lord uh, that I mentioned in the beginning doesn't 
have us run away from him, but instead has us running towards him in those times because we understand the power that he has to overcome the things in my life, in our lives. So, but with that, you know, that faith needs to be put into action. You know, the centurion said, just speak it and he will be healed. Um, The paralytic man, you know, and his friends lowered him through the roof, knowing that if they just got him through the roof and Jesus saw him and touched him and healed him, that he would be fine. You know, the woman with the flow of blood, all she, she just knew she had to just go out and touch the hem of his garment and she would be healed. You know, and for Peter, he just knew that he just had to step out of the boat as, as the Lord calls him out, that he would then be walking on the water towards him. You know, for us, what is it that he's calling us to step out in? What is he calling us to put action to that faith? You know, is there something that the Lord's been pressing on your heart here or there? He desires you to go to someone and say something, or he desires you to go and do something. What is it where it just takes that initial stepping out in faith and trusting that he's going to be there with you in it um, to then get you out there and to put, you know, feet to our faith, you know, action to our faith. Because then, you know, as we, as we continue in our walks with him, as we continue in that faith, we can then, you know, we look back and we have just this track record of God showing up, this track record of, 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 of him just walking us through the storms, um, so he's there, and when we sink, he picks us up. It's all, it's, it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. Um, Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And that was, you know, in Deuteronomy where, um, you know, they're getting towards the Jordan River and... Uh, They're going to cross into the promise that he has for Israel. And Moses isn't going to go with them. You know, Joshua's going to lead them in. And on the other side, they're going to have to go to battle. Um, But he says, be of good courage. You know, do not be afraid. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you in those battles. So let's know that he will be with us in those storms. And then, just wrapping up here. Um, verses 32 and 33. It says, And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And I find it interesting here that it says in 32, And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. When Jesus picked Peter up out of that water in the midst of that storm and got his eyes back on him, got his feet back on the water, he then walked him back to the boat with the storm still going on. He didn't stop the storm just because he cried out. But what he did was he, he picked him up and gave him the ability to walk with him back to the boat in the midst of the storm. So sometimes God doesn't, because we cry out in a situation, in a circumstance, he doesn't just take us out of the circumstance, but he walks us through it to then have us be changed through it. And you got, I got to know that Peter was changed through this because we will see you know, he's still Peter, you know, he's still, he'll still deny him and he'll still do, you know, what he does as we will still, you know, make mistakes as, as, as we will, you know, as humans. But I got to know it's changed him because it was Peter who he used to save, you know, those 3,000 in an Acts. It was, it, was, it was Peter that he, that he used to speak the gospel in such a powerful way that 3,000 came to be saved. 
you know. So it, it changed him. It radically changed him. But not only that, it radically changed those that are in the that are in the boat because they saw this happen. Because it's really interesting that here it says those that were in the boat came to worship him, saying, "Truly, you are the Son of God." So. You know, as I read that, it's the ones that were in the boat and watched this going on that says, you know, truly you are the Son of God. And it isn't until a chapter later or two later where, where Jesus says, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And it's at that point then that Simon Peter has this time to kind of understand how, what happened on the water and what's happening in his life where Simon Peter answers and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, you know. Sometimes, as we go through these storms and we go through these circumstances, these challenges, it's not immediately that we get what happened in them, that we get what God was trying to do in our lives in them. It's not that we fully understand it right then and there, even when we get to the other side. But it takes time, as time goes on, and as we look back, no, Lord, you really used that to change my life. You really used that to change a characteristic in me to make it more like you. You really used that to to build me in who you would have me be. So in the end, you know, Jesus is glorified. And, you know, he's very intentional. I see this as a very intentional situation that he put the disciples in. You know, he, that immediately was used three times specifically to point to us, to point to Jesus who he is in our lives. And the situation was very intentional for them. And in the end, it's there to bring him glory. You know, the things that we go through in life, the situations, the circumstances that we find ourselves in, it's there to bring him glory. We don't need to complicate this life. We don't need to overthink it. We don't need to get into deep theological debates about it. All we need to understand is that God loves us. He came, died for us, rose again so that we can then be with him in heaven. And we are now here in this world to bring him glory. As John seventeen fifteen says, I do not pray that you would take them out of this world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. He's not, as we're saved, he doesn't just want to take us out of this world. He wants to keep us here so that we can then share who he is, so that he can then be glorified, and that he would, that he would send the Holy Spirit to protect us and to guide us and to keep us from the evil one. And then as we walk in this world, we would bring him glory through the situations or the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Um, and here's the thing, we don't need to do it alone. As the disciples weren't out on that, on that, in that storm alone, we're not alone. He's with us. He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. Um, so really, if there's something that we could take away this morning, you know, the simplicity of it, I think, is just Jesus is with us. You know, keep your eyes on him. Let's keep our eyes on him in the, in the circumstances, in the trials, in the storms. And let's walk on water, you know, um, because we can, you know, with our faith in him. Thank you for joining us as we studied the word this morning. If you would like more information about Sela Fellowship, please visit us on the web at salafellowship.org. While you are there, feel free to check out some of our other messages and past book studies. Thank you again, and God bless.